talking about how to keep the fire going in the next generation. Um, and there's a lot of things we could focus on. There's a lot of things that we could, um, we could talk about from their personalities, all kinds of different things. Um, but we, with everything going on with back to school, we wanted to give four simple ways to keep the fire going in the next generation. So obviously, um, we're talking about ESPN, you know? Because when I was a kid, you just watched ESPN over and over again, the same show, and it's just like, it would just, you memorize every single highlight, every single catchphrase, this, the da-na-na, da-na-na, or it's just over, and now it's all live, it's different. Back when it was pure and it was just the same show all day long, that's when it was good. <laughs> um, but really, we just use ESPN as an acronym to help us easily remember a way to come alongside somebody and help them grow in Christ. And this applies so well to us as parents, as youth leaders. Our small group leaders use this in small groups to help them run a good small group. It's really exciting. So I'm gonna give you the answers to the acronyms of these points we're gonna talk about. So if you, if you tell them back to me later and my wife, then you'll get candy. Does that sound good? Who, does it sound good? Does it sound exciting? Okay, reset it first. You get candy right now just for, there you go. I'm awesome. These are large candy bars. <laughs> so like, hands up, eyes up, get ready. It could come at you in the way back. It's gonna, <laughs> all right. Um, if you're in the chat, if you're online, our online family, you can type in the chat the answers too. And you, you might get a, you could go to your pantry and get a candy bar. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> I'd mail you one, but it would just melt. Um, so E, E, we got encouragement. E is encouragement. S, anyone know what S is? Scripture, yeah, you guys are, this is awesome. This is great. This is, I tell you what it is, you tell it back. We all feel good. It's great. P, prayer, prayer in? Yes. Awesome, awesome. We're gonna get right into E. Does anyone remember what E is? Yes. Who was that? Right here. E, encouragement. Oh my gosh, catch it. Ah! Okay, it's right here in the corner. Good, awesome. Encouragement. We need to encourage our kids so much. We need to encourage the next generation so much. And specifically, there are two ways that I think uh, are really great to go about this. It's with our time and with our words. If we wait until the next generation is excited about something, if we wait until they want to do the next big thing and to encourage them, we've waited too long and, and they're gonna be encouraged by somebody else or something else to go away they shouldn't go or to do something they shouldn't do. We have to encourage them now. Um, we gotta go to them, show them how good this life is. And we need to see them, we need to know them, we need to spend enough time with them to where we actually, our words are gonna matter to them. Does that make sense? If you just go and tell them what to do, Nobody really likes that, but if you really know somebody, it changes you, where you could actually confidently say, I see this, I see this in you, and it's really good, and God wants to use this in you. Like, that, that changes somebody's life. Um, in fact, young people, our middle schoolers, high schoolers that are here now, like, we need you to lead now. We, we can't wait any longer. Like, there's this thought in our head that if we wait, I'm not old enough yet, I don't know enough yet, if I wait long enough, then I'm gonna be ready once I know enough. And like all of a sudden you're waiting and you're waiting and then you're like, wait, I'm, I'm too old now. I can't do that anymore. And there's this lie in our head that I'm too young, that I'm too old. There's no magical sweet spot. We need you to lead now. Your, your schools need it now. Or your neighborhoods need it now. Your community needs it now. Your home, your parents, they need it now. They need you to stand up and do what God's called you to do. Now, we have to do it now. Older people, parents, leaders, mentors, the old, millennials, the older generation. Did you guys know that millennials are the older generation now? If that makes you feel old, I'm sorry. I am myself an elder millennial. Um, we can't, you have no idea how much your words mean 
to the next generation. Like your words and your time mean so much to them. You can't wait until you see them do something good to encourage them and say, that was great, and acting like you were on their side the whole time. Like encourage them now. When they start it, the first time they try it, even if you know they're gonna fail at it, encourage them, they even tried it. There's a verse in Zechariah that um, I heard a long time ago and it changed my heart a lot. It says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. That's the heart we have to have for this next generation. Not just fair weather fans, they're like, well, yeah, Show me, show me what you did. And once you did it, then now, yeah, that was awesome. See, I knew you could do it the whole time. But like right away, I'm excited for you to even try it. I'm right here with you. It's, it'll change their lives. So let's keep the fire going about God, what he's doing. You know, there, there's a lie that comes into our heads that's like, well, I want them to be excited. You know, I want them to take the first step. I, want, I don't want to push them too much. I don't want to manipulate the next generation. True enough, we don't want, we, we want all that and we don't want to manipulate, but if you just sit and wait, like they're gonna catch that too, right? You can't teach them enough to make them excited, but they can catch something in you. If, if you're on fire for God, they will catch that as well. And it's, it, it can't be taught as we say, but it can be caught. And um, we have small group questions for each point here. So we're gonna do them now. So if you're online, you can talk about it or here you can write it down and take a picture right now. I want this week in small group or maybe this week with your families, who are three people younger than you that you can encourage this week? Super practical step. Maybe you spend time with them. Maybe you say something you see in them. Maybe you think you say it all the time, but you need to take some time and say, man, I see this in you. Like this is, you're awesome at this. Because most people don't even realize what they're good at until somebody tells them that they're good at it, right? It's just this is just what I do. What do you mean I'm good at it? They need you to say it. They need you to see it. They need you to talk about it with them. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, on to our next one. Do you remember what the next one is? Spirit. Oh my gosh, you're way, Teresa, you're way back there. All right, hey, hands up, guys. We're going for this. Here we go. Oh, that was bad, guys. Yep, okay, scripture, good. So the next generation is trying to figure out who am I? Where do I fit in? What difference can I make? And young people are being exposed to so many counterfeit truths and deceptive messages. And around, around them, they will hear the message, just look within yourself. That's where you'll find all the answers. You just have to spend time with yourself on yourself and figure out what you like and what you feel and do what you will. Okay, but any of us who have tried that for long enough know that it doesn't work, right? That it has left us um, really empty. And we know that the only way to find the answers to these important questions is to look outside of ourselves, looking to our creator and reaching out for our savior. And something that I love is that Jesus was faced with the same kind of deceptive messages. And so he shows us how we can equip the next generation to come against these, um, these thoughts about who they are. So when Jesus was in the desert, Satan went and he tempted him. Jesus was hungry and he was tired. And if you've been in a giant public high school like I was, you will feel like you're in the desert sometimes, right? And then you come, your people come at you with these um, deceptive messages and confusion. So Satan tried to get Jesus to question his identity and question his purpose, um, do reckless things to test God. When Satan said, if you really are the son of God, just do what feels good. Just worship me and I'll give you power. Just put yourself in danger, throw yourself off this building. But how did Jesus combat this? He overcame it with the same weapon that we are, can teach the next generation how to use with scripture, with the truth. Second Timothy 
It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um, when we first became a foster family, um, we, before we were ever um, had our first placement, um, my son, he prayed, God, please, whoever comes into our house, please let them stay long enough to where we can, um, where we can tell them about the gospel. We can introduce them to you where they can know you. Well, we were placed with a six-day-old baby girl. And so I was thinking, well, this is, you know, this is gonna be a long time before she can understand any of that. And that's a long shot because I just didn't know if that would really happen. Well, she turned three this summer. And just the other day, um, someone was saying, your, your ears are so cute and they're so little. I love your ears. And she turned to her and my three-year-old daughter, she said, my God made them. <laughs> and, then she, and then she said, your eyes are so beautiful. And she's like, my God made them. And it was so amazing that in that moment, I knew God answered my son's prayers for her. That she knows, she doesn't know yet her, her foster care journey. She doesn't know about it yet. She doesn't know about adoption yet. She's very, she's very young. She doesn't know about her ethnic heritage. All those things will be good to teach her about. But I love that before anything else, she knows that there is a creator God, that he made her beautifully, and that he is her God. And so we want to do that. We want to introduce the next generation to the source of truth. And we can actively look for ways to, um, to do that with the kids in our lives. It'll look very different, right, for a three-year-old or a 16-year-old. It could just be taking one verse that you read in the morning and think, I'm gonna write this down. I'm gonna give it to this person. I'm gonna say, you know, when I read this, I thought about how much God loves you. And I just wanted to give you this so you could keep it, right? Or it could be doing a Bible study with them, do, doing um, a study on a hard topic that maybe there's a, um, a young person in your life that is really struggling through I know for the uh, middle school boys, some of them have um, gotten together. They got the same devotional on the youth, youth getaway and they're doing their devotionals together and they're studying the book of Romans together. It's awesome. I remember when I first learned how to read, I was given a little pamphlet and it was a devotional and my parents said, okay, now that you know how to read, you're going to read this, you know, you can read this every day. It's devotions, you learn about God. And so I opened it up and I started reading it and it was so boring to me and I hated it and I just... I knew I was supposed to read it, but I just didn't really want to. Eventually they figured out that I was not reading it all the time. And so they could have said, well, I guess she doesn't care about the Bible. I guess she's too young to care about God's word. No, they got me a different devotional and I ended up loving it, devouring it, like read it four times through. And it really taught me how to, um, how to appreciate God's word and how to read the Bible for myself. So don't give up. There's, there's a lot of different ways that we can come alongside the next generation and help them grow in their love of God's word. Let's keep the faith and belief going that if God said it in the Bible, then it's true. So in kids' church every month, we have a new uh, memory verse for them to read, for, for them to um, memorize. Because we can teach our little girls and our little boys to stand in front of the mirror and to say all kinds of wonderful things about themselves and to say the mantras and the, and the affirmations, right? But it won't even come close to if they know how to, if they have, they can recite God's living and active word, how much freedom that will bring. Then because mantras and affirmations in the world, they can return void, but God said his word will not return void. So let's help the next generation find the source. I know for some of us, we might've heard certain things in the Bible taught 
wrong, or we might've seen it lived out wrong, or we might've felt like there's, there's just condemnation attached to this, or there was, it was just a mixed message attached to this. And so sometimes we can take that and we can put our hurts or our confusion or our experiences that were negative and we can put it like a filter on our kids and just expect, well, they're not gonna be able to understand this. Well, I shouldn't teach, I don't wanna tell them about the gifts because some people do that really weird. I don't wanna teach them to pray for people to get healed because what if they don't? And then, you know, whenever I saw it, someone taught me that it was about, is about my own performance or something like that. Or I don't wanna teach about money because, you know, I heard it on TV and they, they talk about it so weird. And it's, we don't need to put that, those filters on our kids. Pretty much everything in the Bible has probably been taken out of context by someone, right? But it doesn't mean that the source, the pure source is not beautiful and, and powerful. We wanna introduce the next generation to that. It's a, part, it's a part of the full armor of God that we have as Christ's followers, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So let's teach him that his word will not return void, that it will accomplish the purpose for which God has sent it, and that it, we hide his word in our heart. That's something that we love. That it's not just something, well, the Bible says that, so as Christians, the bummer, we can't do that. So no, we wanna teach them. God's word shows us the way to have full life. Anyone who doesn't have it, that's not, be, that's not someone that we should be jealous of. Like, well, they can live however they want to because they don't have to do what the Bible says. No, we love God's word because he is the creator. He knows every single thing that we need and he showed us the way to, to real life. And so let's teach them to hide it in their hearts. So the question for your small groups this week about scripture is how can you share God's word with someone this week? On our next one, our next point here, we've got, anybody know what it is before I put it up there? Oh, Mark Matuzak. Yes, sir. Now that's, that wasn't even dangerous. All right, prayer. So the next generation needs to see and be a part of experiencing God and experiencing something that brings transformation. They don't want to just watch it or be a part, uh, you know, or be a part of something that they just see. We can show them an example that the Christian life is one where we connect with God in prayer, where we experience being close to Him. We speak to Him. We listen to Him. We hear what He says. We pray for others, and that it matters when we pray. James five sixteen says, "Confess your sins to." to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We can show them an example of repenting and how instantly those things that sin and, and the things that are in our lives that are keeping us from God, when we repent, when we receive the forgiveness that Jesus bought for us, when we repent in prayer, just how close he brings us in again. We need to show them that. Pray for them out loud. Pray with them. Let them repeat after you. Let them pray for each other. Pray for big things, little things. Let them pray for you. Teach them the Lord's Prayer. Um, when one of my daughters, when she was little, um, she kept lying, and it was um, all of the time. She would lie about stuff. And so Ryan and I, you know, we would discipline her, we'd correct her, we'd, we'd try to guide her, but we started realizing that it was something that we needed to really pray about. So we started praying and fasting for her. We even put it as a focus on our yearly goals. Um, that she would love the truth. So, and she, <laughs> it was amazing. God answered our prayers and she to this day will be this, the person that's like, as we're putting her to bed, she's like, I have to tell you something. And she will confess everything. I mean, like everything. I'm like, okay, well, you didn't really have to confess all that, but she confesses everything. She loves the truth. And when we felt like it was um, time for, for us to move, 
she said, you know what, I, I want, they, they, our kids would list off these things that they wished that they had in, in a house that we moved into. And one of the things that she said was a pool that was a very specific shape. And so I was like, okay, well, you're gonna have to ask God about that. And so she started praying for it. And wouldn't you know, even in this market where houses are gone in three hours, we ended up with a house that had the pool, the shape that she saw in her mind, the shape that she prayed for. And there was one night, it was awesome. And there was one night where she was really dealing with condemnation and dark thoughts. And so I started praying with her and, um, and she was praying and she just had um, just a breakthrough, a spiritual breakthrough. And she... Um, was, was set free, heard the gospel, knew that Jesus died for her, that she was free in Christ, that she was a new creation. And she said, mommy, will you put me in the water? And I was like, she, this girl does not like showers or baths very much and it's freezing outside. So I don't, I'm like, do you mean baptism? She's like, yes, I wanna be baptized. I wanna go in the water. And so she was the first person in, um, in that pool that I know of since we've lived there to be baptized in the pool that she saw, that she prayed for. And since then, 15 more people have been baptized in the pool that she saw and that she prayed for. I've been convicted lately whenever I have people over to my house or whenever I come here to serve. I've been convicted of, of I remember the story of Mary and Martha. Do you guys remember that story when Jesus went um, to teach people? And, and Martha was busy making the food for everybody and she was busy welcoming everyone and, and cleaning up after everything. And, and she was like, Jesus, Mary is just sitting there, you know, listening to you, but she's not helping me. And Jesus said, Mary's chosen the better thing. And so I get it. I've usually got two toddlers attached to me. So it takes a lot of work and effort for me to, you know, to try to look like we are put together and try to offer something to other people that is, you know, that is, that's good. And so it is hard to, um, to set things aside sometimes to just be with God. And I realize that I can get so caught up in looking good, coming to church, making sure everyone knows, you know, how busy we are, how much we do, or we don't want to let people down. We want to be excellent but I was convicted because I was thinking, what am I showing the next generation? Am I taking the time to sit at Jesus' feet, to meet with him, to experience being close to him, to listening and pouring out my heart? Psalm 27, eight says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. I wanna show the next generation that the Christian life is more than just going through the motions and doing what others expect that it's a real relationship with a real God who is passionate about us and that my heart burns to be with him, to be about his business, to serve others, to spend that time with him, that that is precious to me, that I treasure it. I want the next generation to, to catch that as well. Whoa, 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 we had small group questions, so... Whoa. This is just like his church, I love it, thank you. So, small question this week. When has God answered one of your prayers? What is being in his presence like for you? You can talk about that in your group. Um, I feel like there's a fourth one. Um, next step, hey, right in the front. There <laughs> we go. Y'all get to split that. That's Reese's, no peanut allergies, hopefully. That was not thought out ahead of time. Uh, okay, our last one is next steps. Our, um, <laughs> All right, um, this is a statistic that I saw that really just jumped out to me. Our, our next generation 
uh, it's really not even the next generation anymore, it's a Gen Z, this is the current generation, says 75% wish their parents were more part of their lives. 75% wish that they would specifically help them find the next step, to empower them to do something. They see something really good that they could go towards, they just don't know how to get there, and they wish there was an adult that cared about them that would come alongside them. So even if you're here and you're like, man, I don't have kids, or I'm, I don't, my kids are grown, like, you can be a part of this with them. You can help them find the next step. There's, um, there's something that's happened in our culture, and it's part of my generation. I think is when it happened, is we just call it like an expert culture. We're like, I want the best for my kids, so I'll take them to the coach. You know, I want the best for my kids, so they need help in math, so I'll take them to the expert tutor. I'll take them to the expert uh, pastor, kids pastor, and then they need to come home and know everything. And like, that's fine, that's great. We want the best for our kids. We want them to have the best and to have experts and mentors in their life. But two things can happen is, one, they go and they come back and we never talk about it again because that's the expert and you talk about that stuff with them and I don't know anything about it, so we don't talk about it anymore, Right? Or the other thing happens is you go and you're like, okay, sit down, tell me what they tell you. What'd you do? Tell me what you did. What are they teaching you at that church? You don't even know what they said today. Like, guys, we are not that good. But we can just tell your kids one time and then they know it forever. Your coach, your teachers, everyone, the experts in their lives are not good enough. And that's not how the Bible's set up. That's not how God has designed our lives. This is an over and over again thing. It says over hundreds of times in the Bible, do not be afraid, right? If God thought we'd get it the first time, he would have just said it once, but he says it over and over again. This is a life that's meant to be lived together. It says rejoice over and over again. It says give thanks. In Proverbs, my son, listen to my wisdom over and over again. Like we need conversations. We need to help the next generation see the next steps. Um, our small group question for this is where do you feel like God is asking you to take a next step with the next generation? Like I said, it may be with your kids. It may be with your small group. Maybe it should be somebody that's a year younger than you. Um, there was a verse that, that um, we were reading after the youth getaway. And one of our next steps there was uh, to get all of the youth, the middle schools and high schoolers, devotionals or Bibles. And um, we got back and I had, I had a devotional and um, we were reading it, and the first day we got back, there's this verse that we read in Leviticus. And Leviticus is a, ver- is a, a book in the Bible that they set up all of the um, rules for the priests and the, the sacrifices and the altar and all the, all the holy stuff, right? And it's kind of intense, but this verse, the fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. And this is a command from God to the priest, the ones that are running. Day and night, the fire must keep going. The sacrifices must go on. And as I was reading it, I was like, man, I was kind of getting overwhelmed. I'm like, I want that. I don't, I just, we've had these baptisms. We've had these kids encounters. We, we have kids church. We have all this, it's all like peaking right now and it's so good and God is doing so much. How am I gonna keep that going as a, as a pastor, as a parent? Like you felt that before when your kids are going good and you're, when your job is going good when it's like, how am I supposed to keep this going? I don't think I can maintain this. And as I'm kind of freaking out and like, man, I don't know, God, like this is on me uh, he reminded me of a verse in the New Testament. And, and when, when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he promised us more than just saving us. So he wanted the Holy Spirit to come and be with us. He, he sent us an encourager. He sent us someone that would remind us of scripture, remind us of everything that he said. He sent someone that, that we could be with to talk to the Father with, right? Like he wants to be with every part of our life. And in Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, it said there was a, 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. That it went from a command of God saying, you must not let this go out to him saying, I will not let it go out. I will be with you. I will keep it going. And when they really believed that, when the fire came and rested on them, all of a sudden, everyone around them, they, they couldn't help but talk about it. They couldn't help but be about it. They couldn't help but worship him because they had the fire of the Holy Spirit in them. And I want that so bad for this church. I want that so bad for the next generation that we would not be a church that just does all the things, but we'd be a church that is with God, that this fire burns continuously in us because we go back to him every morning. We go back to him every night. We go back to him every day and he lights a new fire in us. Let's keep the fire burning in our lives so we can help spread it to the next generation. They need it. We need it. And uh, it's something really special that we're gonna be doing. Pastor Peter's gonna come up and um, we're gonna have a time of prayer. And um, if you guys would stand with us, um, I wanna see that happen in our lives where it's not just going through the motions anymore, but it is a new fire burning in us. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? That was good, wasn't it? It's good. Um, one of the things that really, you know, one of the things I loved about Rachel, she just said yes, right? You just said, hey, would you like to help out? And then she said, yes. If a 12-year-old can say yes, surely we can say yes, right? Now, the first thing that goes through our minds as they were saying is, what do I have to give? What do I have to say? What do I have to do? There's not, I don't have anything. It's just not true. You, we have so many resources. We have so many gifts and talents. We have time, at least, on our hands. And that can be converted into using your house, it could be converted into using your money. It could be converted into just using the, the gifts and the talents that you have to help the next generation. Now, the next question after that is, well, how would I even use that stuff? We have some people who could tell us what we could do, right? You know, this is, we've got people who are going before us to actually get in the lives of young people. So the question is, where do you fit with this? Because we are a church for generations, right? Generations into the future, but generations into the present of what we have now. And if we are going to see the church of Jesus Christ grow, we have to be invested in the next generation or this faith dies with us. So if this is something that has been stirring up in your heart this morning, I want to, uh, I'm going to go pray for you right now, but I'm going to ask you to respond back to us, to tell us, to say, yes, I'm all in, to say, yes, I want to be a part of this. If you have been stirred up in your heart this morning, I don't want you to walk away going, well, that was nice. That made me feel good. I want you to walk away going, where do I fit with this? What is my next step? ESPN, what is my next step? Where do I go with this calling that God has put in my life? Because we have a mandate to, meet, to, to get the next generation. We have a mandate to grow. So Father, this morning, I pray for every person that has been moved in their heart this morning. As Pastor Ryan was saying that this fire has been stirred up. Someone has put some fuel on it and it flared up. Well, Lord, I pray that there would be a tenacity in their spirits right now to decide that that fire is not going to go dim or low again. I'm not going to be a spectator. I'm going to be a participator in winning the next generation. If I have to run a group, I'll run a group. If I've got to provide the pizzas, I'll provide the pizzas. Whatever I have to do, if I've got to be the Uber driver, I will be the Uber driver to make sure that I've done my part to get to the next generation. 
So whatever that calling, whatever that vision, whatever that resource, whatever that picture is within you, may it be stirred up inside of you right now. May it become a fire inside of you. You cannot get to sleep properly tonight. That this week that you are disturbed because you're not jumping in. Father, stir up that fire within us once again. Stir up that fire once again. We ask this in your precious son's name. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, let's give a shout of joy to the Lord. Thanks guys, we'll see you next week.